Good to see you this morning. Take your Bibles. Turn with me, please, the book of John, chapter number 4. John, chapter number 4. I preached from these texts many, many years ago, but I want to rehash some things and look at some fresh things this morning on the woman at the well. Would you stand with me, please, as we read? We're going to read over 20 verses to begin with. The woman at the well. Boy, I'm going to be plowing exactly where God wants us to plow this morning. The Bible says in John chapter number 4, when the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground which Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew, watch what she calls him, a Jew, thou being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. I say amen right there. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. Jesus said unto her, Watch this. Go call thy husband and come hither. <laughs> the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidest truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, watch this, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, and which is called Christ, and when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, watch these words, and we'll close the reading. I that speak unto thee am he. Father, would you take these precious words of this eternal book and speak them to our eternal soul? Father, I pray now the Spirit of God would move on hearts this morning. 
God, that we would be attentive to the word of God. I pray, Father, that you take your place in our hearts this morning. Thank you for this place of worship. Thank you for the time away, but a time back so we can continue our ministry here, Father. And we ask you now to use us for your glory and lift up the Lord Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you for that extended reading. The Bible says in verse 1, the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus baptized more than John. That's kind of strange. That'd be like saying, well, uh, George had knew that the Pharisees heard that Jesse, I mean, you know, baptized more. I mean, it's like there's two people talking here. It's like Jesus is speaking in the third person. But yet, let's not get confused right off the bat because what is going on, Jesus is perceiving in his spirit that they are against his physical actions. Is everybody with me? He's perceiving in his soul and in his mind that they are against his They are despising his actions. Christ knew that there would be conflict here, so he moved on. He did not run from the problem. Amen. He did not fear what would befall him. He just knew that it was better for him to drop this conflict for now and move on. Somebody say amen. Let me tell you something about life. Let's learn something about life right here. Sometimes we need to turn away from a conflict and a controversy and just move on with life. Amen? Sometimes you've got to leave that stuff behind. You've got to drop the trivial things and all those things that go on in life that don't really matter and go on for the glory of God. Now, that's exactly what Jesus does here. I've, I was reading as, I, as we did a historical tour, George Washington did that. That is exactly how Washington beat the, the much mightier British army. When Washington would, would size up the army and he knew he couldn't win the battle, you know what he'd do? He'd just move on. And he, he coined the phrase, live to fight another day. And sometimes you and I are going to have to measure the energy and the resources it takes to win a battle and say, hey, the probable result is I need to move on. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. So he moves on. In verse 2, it's interesting to note that he didn't baptize anybody. He baptized with the Spirit. Let me tell you about salvation. If you get saved, you'll have to be baptized with the Spirit of God. The Bible says Jesus didn't baptize. He left that up to his disciples. You know what he's doing today? He's not baptizing with water. He's baptizing with the Spirit. He's leaving the baptizing with water up to me. Amen. It's up to man to baptize with water. If you've only been baptized with water, dear friend, you are headed for hell. Amen, preacher. But if you've been baptized by the Spirit of God and know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can be baptized with water and have salvation. And so sometimes here we find that that Jesus, the Bible says in verse 3, look at that, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Again, it was just the wisest decision that he could make here. Now, let, let me make and draw another conclusion here. Sometimes in life, even though Jesus Christ had the power to face the opposition in Jerusalem, he chose not to. And sometimes in life, the oppositions and the obstructions that we face in life are nothing but opportunities. Amen. When God closes the door in one area of life, I promise you he will open the door in another area of life. 
Obstructions, let me say it again, obstructions and, and uh, uh, oppositions in one place lead to opportunities in another place. So when you find that God closes the door in your life in one area, you better praise the God for that he closed that door. So often we look at a closed door as a failure. It's a failure of entry. It's a failure to move forward. But God closed it on purpose that he might open up an opportunity somewhere else. And that's exactly what's going on here. The Bible says that Jesus left. Now there is another word I want to look at. Jesus left Jerusalem. That is the Greek word, athekin. We have no English word that compares to that word. You know what that word, athekin, means? When Jesus left athekin, it means that he abandoned Jerusalem to its own fate. He left it to its own fate. Let me tell you something. That's a scary thing this morning. When the Lord leaves something to its own fate, that's a scary place to be. It's called the abandonment judgment of God. You say, preacher, I believe there's an opportunity for everybody to be saved, no matter what. I do too. But I'm going to tell you something. The Lord will begin to leave. I had a man tell me one time I worked with, he said, George, he said, the Lord used to speak to me. And he said... The more I rejected him, and the more I lived, and the more I went my own way, the less he spoke to me. And he said, now the Lord won't speak to me at all. I said, man, you are in a bad place. Amen. You're facing the abandonment judgment of God. You better get that thing right now. You better seek the Lord while he may be found. Somebody say amen. And so Jesus is... Believing this Athekin, he's abandoning them to their own fate or to their own devices. But he turns from here, he didn't quit. I'm glad he didn't quit. I'm glad when he faced opposition that he didn't quit. He just looked for an opportunity. And he went on down to Samaria, a place that the Jews hated, a people that the Jews hated. He went on down to Samaria from Jerusalem to Galilee. And the Bible says in verse 4 that he must needs go through Samaria. If you write in your Bible right there that it was absolutely necessary or that it was an absolute priority that he goes through Samaria. Why? There's a mission for him there. We're going to find what that mission is. Verse number 5. Then he cometh to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, watch these next words, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There is no doubt, the Bible leaves us here, no doubt, where is this is happening, why it's happening, what is happening, when it's happening. The Bible says that he's sitting down here wearied on Jacob's well. Jacob's well is near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph. Jacob's well is about seven feet in diameter. It's about 105 feet deep. It's, it has masonry down about 10 feet deep. And we're even told the time here is 12 high noon. We could go back to that exact same spot. I don't want you to picture something now. As the Lord Jesus sits down on this well, 
The Lord Jesus, as he sits here, he's not just sitting and is turning his mind off. Amen. I'm sure there are lots of things running through the mind of our Lord as he sits on this well. I want you to picture in your mind as he sits there, he can see this well when Jacob dug it. You say, well, Jesus was only about 30 years old about this time. Though the Bible says he was the ancient of days. He saw when that well was dug. And then the Bible says that he's sitting there. He's looking at Joseph's parcel of land. Don't you know he remembers from Genesis, the last book of the, the, the first book of the Bible, the last chapters of the book of Genesis, how Joseph, that godly man, suffered under his brothers and went down to Egypt and rescued. I mean, listen, Jesus, his mind is full of the history of this place. His mind is full of the culture of this place. His mind is full of all the failures of all the, the times that Israel had, had, uh, had dropped the ball and had, he's even looking at Mount Gerizim where they had moved the worship, the temple from Jerusalem to Mount Gerizim and they began to worship other gods. It's no wonder Jesus was weary. He was not only weary from a journey, a physical journey, he was weary from all the things that he could see that had transpired through thousands and thousands of years as our Lord sits on this well. Let me tell you something about God. God gets weary sometimes. You say, preacher, but the Bible says that the Lord of Israel shall never slumber or sleep. No, but he gets tired of sin. He gets, let me tell you something about God. He gets tired of sin. I just wonder how tired of, how of America he is, amen. I wonder how tired of our globe he is. I know he never slumbers. I know he never sleeps. I know he never gets weary. But dear friend, our sin wearies our God. Jesus is sitting here. He's wearied. He's not only weary of the journey, Make a biblical note here. The God of Israel gets tired. Tired. The Bible talks about our sins coming to the full. And I wonder, dear friend, as we see the things going on in the Middle East, Hamas and Hezbollah, and we study those things on Wednesday night. You need to be here. As we see those things happening, how close we are to the fullness of the Gentiles coming in, the fullness of sin coming up to the brim, and Jesus to, is soon to come. But he's sitting there, waiting as all these things go through his mind. He's sitting there waiting on a woman. A woman. One woman. He didn't go there to preach to the multitudes. He didn't drive his Lincoln Continental and stay in the Holiday Inn and show up in his three-piece suit as the big evangelist. Somebody say amen. amen. He went there not to preach to multitudes, not to conduct a great revival, not to make his name known. He went there because one woman needed salvation. I get excited about that because I'm going to tell you about the Lord. Uh, he doesn't care about the 99. He wants to save the one in need of salvation. 
He'll leave the 99 and go in search for the one. I'm glad that's the very heart of God this morning. I'm glad as God looks down, hey friend, he doesn't care about our cathedrals. He doesn't care about our dress. He doesn't care about our finances. He doesn't care what you drove to church this morning or what's in your refrigerator at home. He cares for your soul. Thank God. And he comes here to reach out to one woman. You say, well, she must have been an amazing woman. Yeah, she was amazingly sinful. She was imperfect. I'm glad the Lord reaches down to imperfect people. If he didn't reach down to imperfect people, I wouldn't be here. Amen. I'm glad the Lord has compassion on those who don't, who don't know the way, who sometimes stumble into sin, who sometimes stumble into things that they can't see the end of, they, they suffer the consequences of. And this woman here has been searching, 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 searching for love, searching for companionship, searching for affection, searching for somebody to have, have some compassion on her. And she's not founded in five husbands nor the man she's living with. Amen. But she meets Jesus. Let me give you some of her faults. I labeled about seven of them. She's imperfect. She didn't have a quick mind. If you read the scripture, she has a quick mind. But boy, she's got a sharp tongue. <laughs> i tell you something. Ladies, I hate to hurt your feelings, but there's nothing worse than a woman with a quick mind and a sharp tongue. Amen. Now, that's where she is. But you watch how Jesus treats her. The Jews considered her, this woman of Samaria, to be, and I don't know if this term is politically correct or not, uh, I don't care. The Jews considered her to be a half-breed. They considered her to be a racially mixed person. And she, so she wasn't a pure Jew. They just said, we don't want anything to do with you. That's why she said the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So she's imperfect. She has... Um, uh, a sharp tongue. She's a half-breed. She's mixed up in religion because they had moved the temple from Jerusalem to Mount Gerizim when God specifically said, you worship in Mount Zion, not Mount Gerizim. They had changed the laws of God. So here was a half-breed with a half-religion. And then the next thing I want you to notice about her is she has no morals. And the way we know she has no morals is because she's shacking up. Amen. She's living with a man without the benefit of marriage. This woman is mixed up. And then the, the, the reason the Bible gives us the time is it's 12 o'clock. She's coming to draw water at 12. If you know anything about Israel, they didn't hardly do anything at 12 o'clock. All the women of the town came out in the cool of the evening to draw water. Why didn't she come out with the rest of the gals? You know why? She was an outcast. Even among outcasts, this woman was an outcast. She had to come at 12 o'clock to draw water because she was such an outcast. Wow. I'm glad the Bible says this in Psalm 27, verse number 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then shall the Lord take me up. 
I'm going to tell you something, friend. Let me just break in on you right here. I don't care how lonely you are. I don't care how disappointed you are. I don't care how much you feel worthless. I don't care how much you feel like that, that you're nothing. Hey, the Lord placed enough value on you that he died on the cross of Calvary for you. The Lord placed enough value on you that he'll come to where you are in your sin, convict you of your sin, and friends, save your ever, never dying soul. Amen. <laughs> so that's exactly where we are here. Jesus went to great lengths for this woman. He'll go to great lengths for you. I think we sell, listen to me carefully, I think we sell God short so many times. Well, I've messed up. I've gone too far this time. I've made too many mistakes. I've said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing. Let me tell you something. He'll go a long way for you. Amen. He'll reach way down from the uttermost to the guttermost and bring you back to the uttermost. That's the God we serve. I'm glad this morning he's able to lift us up from the miry clay. So we find that Jesus goes to great lengths for this woman. And he opens the conversation. And he says this, give me a drink. Give me a drink. <laughs> the God who made the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific, the Arctic, and the Indian is asking for a drink of water. This God who formed these oceans and the seven seas says, give me a drink of water. Why, dear friend, if he wanted to, he could have spoken to Jacob's well and it would bubbled up like an artesian well and he could have bent over and supped water like drinking from a water fountain. But he did not. You say, preacher, why didn't Jesus do that? I'll tell you why he didn't. You read your Bible and show me one instance where Jesus used his power or his authority for himself. If you find it, let me know. He always was using his power and his authority to help someone else. Jesus never used it selfishly. Then verse number 9, look at that. Then the woman saith unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Why are you speaking to me? Why do you ask of me? I'm a woman of Samaria. I'm a refuge in society. I'm an outcast in religion. I'm rejected even of my own. I'm here in the middle of the day because the other women won't even have anything to do with me. Let me tell you something this morning. If you'll listen, God will speak to you. I don't care what station you are in life. If you'll listen, God will speak to you. If you'll open your ears to the truth, God will pour the truth in no matter what your station in life is. She says, why do you speak to me? I'm a woman. Well, he brushes away the gender-based bias. Amen. She says, I'm a Samaritan. He brushes away the racial-based bias. Amen, preacher. And he begins to, to minister to her heart. Look what he said. In verse number 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living waters. Jesus looks at this woman and he says, I'm not the one in need. You are. I may have asked you for a drink of water. 
But you have the greater need. Let me just break in on you here with something, dear friend. And let me say very candidly, we're the one in need. The Lord doesn't need me. Why, the Lord could could take me from this pulpit today, place his spirit on an old boy off a white top mountain somewhere and put him in this pulpit to pastor this church. The Lord doesn't need me. If you're lost, let me tell you this. The Lord doesn't need you. He has souls all in heaven. He has souls all in the earth. He doesn't need you. You need him, friend. The Lord doesn't need your money. Amen, preacher. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Hey, the earth, the heavens, and and the universe is his. Oh, but we need him. Oh, we need his blessings. And our giving opens up the blessings of God. Oh, he's saying to this woman, I'm not the one in need here. You're the one in need. My goodness. She says in verse 11, let's read it. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Well, she had no doubt that he had living water. She just wanted to know where it came from. (laughs) Let me tell you where living water comes from. Living water comes from Jesus Christ. Living water doesn't come from Allah. Living water doesn't come from Mohammed. Living water doesn't come from Joseph Smith or the Book of Mormon. Living water comes from Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father by me. There's none other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. If you need a drink of living water this morning, I'm going to refer you not to the Baptist church. I'm going to refer you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God. Verse number 12. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Well, wait a minute, stop right there. Jacob was her father, but some Assyrian was her mother, which gave us this well and his drank and his children and his cattle. And Jesus answered, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst. Again, notice he's drawing her attention. Attention, watch this carefully. She's trying to draw his attention to their heritage. Let me tell you something. Your heritage won't save you. She's trying to draw his attention to the well and all these historical facts. Let me tell you something. Historical facts won't save you. You can go to a church not far from here and they're so proud of their history that's all they talk about is their history. They've been there since the 1700s and they have this and they have this. And let me tell you something. God has pronounced on them the abandonment judgment. You couldn't find the spirit of God in that place if you searched with a magnifying glass, but they've got history. Tradition won't save you. History won't save you. What's going on won't save you. Your parents won't save you. Your genealogy won't save you. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're headed for hell, dear friend. She's trying to distract him. But he draws her attention away from a historical well, from the traditions of society, from conventional human wisdom to the spiritual truths. In verse 15, look what she says. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. The conversation now has to move from this physical water to spiritual water. 
Now, watch this, because this story takes an amazing turn right here. When it moves from, spirit, from physical water in the well to spiritual water, Jesus said this, go call your husband. Before she can drink spiritual water, she's going to have to deal with her sin. Before she can drink spiritual water, she's going to have to deal with her sin. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus says, go call your husband. And she gives him a short answer in verse number 17. She just says, I have no husband. <laughs> she didn't say, I'm living with a guy. She didn't say, I had. She wouldn't disclose any information to him because she's ashamed of it. She's convicted of it. Amen. Her conscience is smiting her. Her spirit is smiting her. And so it's evident from these verses of Scripture, especially verse number 18. Watch what Jesus said in verse last of verse 17. Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou sayest truly. Wow. I like what Jesus did here. He just had her to face the truth. Don't miss something. Let's see what he didn't say. He didn't say, now bless God, you old sinful hussy, you're going to go to hell without, you know. He didn't say that. No, no. He didn't beat her. He didn't browbeat her. He just said, wait a minute. You need to realize that what you've been doing is wrong and what you're doing now is wrong. And you're searching for something. You remember the other Sunday I preached on searching? She was searching for something. She's searching for all the satisfaction in this world. She's searching for satisfaction in a relationship. She's searching for satisfaction with a man who can take care of her needs, who can, who can meet her womanly needs, who can meet her possession needs and her material needs. She's searching, but she can't find it. And Jesus is not convicting her, beating her down. He's just trying to get her to see the spiritual truth here. She needs God. She needs salvation. Oh, he begins, instead of poking her and prodding her, there's enough shame on her that, that she's already embarrassed about it. But he begins to drill down, verse number 20. Well, watch, watch, watch what she does in verse number 20. <clears throat> She says, uh, wait a minute now, when he asks about her husband and her life, <laughs> she says in verse 20, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where, where we ought to worship. She tries to distract him. Are you all with me? She's, he's drilling down in, oh, pour this in your heart. He's drilling down into her heart, saying, you're living in sin, girl. You need to get that thing right. You need, to, you need to come clean with God. And the whole time, he's drilling down in her heart. She's going, well, which church should I go to? <laughs> should I go to Jerusalem or should I go to Gerizim? Let me tell you something. He didn't give a flip about that. Amen, preacher. He wasn't distracted when she said, well, where do you think we ought to worship? Hey, you know where that, that's where people are today. When you start talking to them about their soul, they'll turn the conversation around and say, where do you go to church? Doesn't matter where I go to church. What matters is your soul. Where do you worship? How do you worship? What's your name over the door? What's it matter what my name over the door is? Where is your soul stand between Christ and eternity? 
That's what matters. Why do we get all bumfuzzled and distracted with all these different things that go on inside the church when people are dying and going to hell? Mm. My goodness. That's where most people are today. They want to take the focus off of their sin and put it on the church somewhere. Jesus says in verse 23, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Let me tell you something. God's looking for somebody this morning that'll come clean with their sin. God's looking for somebody this morning that'll admit that they're a sinner and that that Jesus is the Savior. God is looking for somebody this morning who will come before him and bow on their knees and worship him as the creator, as the Savior, and as the coming king. That's who God's looking for. And God would rather find one person who's willing to submit themselves and humble themselves. He'd rather find one person than ten cathedrals. Oh, God, help us to pour this in our head. He says this, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Why focus on the temple? Why focus on Jacob's well? Why focus on a place of worship? Why focus on social and religious things and historical things? Listen, what matters is if you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God this morning, I'm going to preach right there just a minute. I'm glad to report to you this morning, I'm washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm just as sinful as that woman right there. Uh, she's living in adultery, and I'm going to tell you something, friend. Uh, there's been adulterous thoughts in my mind. Amen. And Jesus said, if it's, if it's there in your mind, you might as well just go ahead and come in. it. that's what he said. Amen. Listen, you, you want to come clean? Hey, friend, if the preacher will come clean, you need to come clean. Hey, you know what's wrong with me? Sometimes this stuff gets in my heart, stuff gets in my mind. I'm human, I'm flesh, I'm, I'm apt to fail, but you hear me, Jesus Christ has washed me in his blood. And that's what matters. I'll fail again tomorrow. I'll do wrong again tomorrow. There'll be stupid thoughts and ignorant thoughts and sinful thoughts go through my mind again tomorrow. But I'm washed in the blood. Praise God. If I wasn't social distance, I'd come back here and kiss (laughs) y'all. Amen. Oh, listen. What really matters is do you have a clean heart this morning? What really matters is are you right with God? The days of rites and rituals and religion and relics and rhetoric is over. Christ has died on the cross and he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I don't care if you're from Samaria. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're a man. I don't care if you're an outcast. I don't care which racial color you are. I don't care if you're three different racial colors mixed up. If you'll come to me, I'll save your soul. Praise God. I don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship. I'm worshiping right now. I don't have to go to Gerizim to worship. I don't have to go to Mecca. Amen. I don't have to go to Salt Lake City. Amen. I can worship God right here on Gross's Creek, and it sure does feel good. Amen. God's looking for someone who see themselves as a sinner in need 
of a Savior. Verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. I want you to notice her terminology here. The first thing she called him, and I drew your attention to it in the very first part of the scripture, she called him a Jew. How is it that thou, being a Jew? She called him a Jew. Then the next thing you notice, she progresses, and she says, uh, Sir, sir, I perceive, sir. She's progressed in her respect for him. The third thing she calls the Lord Jesus Christ here is a prophet. Huh. You're telling me all the things that I've ever done. You must be a prophet. But now, now, she recognizes him as Messiah. I'm closing the message right here. If you just recognize Jesus as a Jew, you'll split hell wide open. If you just recognize him as a teacher, you'll split hell wide open. If you just recognize him as some spiritual guru who had some kind of psychic powers and, and mystic things, you'll split hell wide open. But if you'll recognize him as the Messiah, the son of the living God, and you'll repent of your sin and trust him as your savior, you can be saved, dear friend. What's your view of Jesus? I witnessed this past Thursday night to an 80-year-old man. I said, sir, are you saved? No, I'm, I'm not an atheist, he said. I'm an agnostic. And I said, well, I, I know what you mean by an agnostic. I said, you, you go by knowledge, and that's what Gnosticism, it's the Greek word. I said, I understand that. But I said, let me tell you where knowledge will take you. Knowledge will head you for destruction without the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I begin to give him the gospel and witness to him and tell him how it, he needed to recognize that Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Therein is living water. Amen? I know that when Messiah has come, he'll tell us all things. And I like what Jesus said, and in the very next verse, you don't need to look. He said, I that speaketh unto thee am he. I that speaketh unto thee am he. Let me tell you something. Jesus is who he says he is. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If he said it, you can take it to the bank. He is who he says he is. He says, I am that I am. <laughs> if he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. I that speaketh unto thee am he. Dear friend, where does your soul stand between God and eternity? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, the invitation is for you to come. We'll take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. Trust Christ. Be clean. 
why don't you move? While there's time and opportunity, the Lord has come this way. He's here this morning. He might have come this way for one person. Oh, you're that person. He might have come this way just to save that one woman or that one man, that one boy, that girl. He's come this way not to be a big evangelist or to grow a big church. He's just come for one person. He just loves one person. Maybe you're that one person. Why don't you come to Christ right now by your coming? Brian will take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. How you can leave here and know that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. Don't put it off, dear friend. Remember the warning of the abandonment judgment and the man that spoke to me at work and said, you know, God used to speak to me, but he doesn't speak to me anymore. Don't be that person. Don't be that person that spurns the speaking of the Holy Spirit. And next Sunday, maybe it'll be a little less and a little less and a little less. And then one day you'll go, God, don't speak to me no more. What's going on? Oh, come today. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. If you'll confess Him as Lord, as Messiah, as the only way to heaven, as this woman did, you can come clean, confess, and be saved. You can know the truth this morning, and the truth will set you free. going to close the invitation Christian what about you I'm not going to ask you to come but here's what I'm going to ask you to do I'm going to ask you today to commit dedicate your life to Jesus Christ he's soon coming Yes, He is who He says He is. And when He said He'd come again, He is coming again. And the signs of the world show us that Jesus is coming. You say, preacher, it's not that urgent. Well, you better look at your news, dear friend, and you better open your Bible because it is urgent. It's urgent that you and I get our hearts right. It's urgent that we get our family in. It's urgent that we tell our friends and our loved ones and even our acquaintances like I did Thursday night. Even our acquaintances about Jesus Christ and the way to heaven. It's time, friend. It's time. Right there, I'm going to ask you to commit yourself to Him. Ask Him to use you. You say, preacher, you don't. You don't know, I just don't feel like I'm usable. Well, neither did this woman at the well. Right where you are today, commit your eternal soul to Jesus Christ. Brother Brandon.